This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Do you know where the Brontes were born? You might think that you do know where the Brontes were born, but it could be that your idea is not completely correct. Today, we're going to be talking about the Bronte birthplace, which is a very, very interesting new project. I'm Duncan McCargo. I'm Professor of Global Affairs at Nanyang Technological University in Singapore and a host on the New Books Network Literature Channel. I'm joined today by two of the committee members from the Bronte Birthplace Project, Krista Aykroyd and Steve Stanworth. Welcome to the New Books Network. Oh, welcome to you too. It's very wuthering in York today, Duncan. That's marvellous. First of all, the big revelation of this podcast for some people who don't know is where exactly it is that the Brontes were born. And maybe, Christy, you could just tell us something about this house and where it is and what it's like. The Brontes were born in a very humble, tiny terraced house, which when you first look at it, you think, surely this greatness cannot have been born here beside the fireplace. It's very unassuming. But for the Bronte family, for Patrick and for Mariah, it was the start of their new life. It was the first parsonage that they had owned when Patrick came to Thornton to be the village vicar, really, at the Old Bell Chapel. The only thing that sets it apart from rows upon rows of terraces in this small village on the outskirts of Bradford is a blue plaque which proudly declares that here in this place, Charlotte, Bramwell, Emily and Anne were born. Right. So the obvious point here is that they weren't born in the place that a lot of people might imagine they were born. They were not born in Haworth. Um, Perhaps, Steve, would you tell us something about the background to this house and why it is that you're involved in this project now to buy the house and restore it and turn it into something very exciting? The house, the parsonage in Thornton, was built in 1802 by Ashworth, uh, part of Cloggers Row. And the first vicar to live in the house, well, perpetual cure, as we're called at the time, was Thomas Atkinson, which was Patrick's predecessor. And he had a fiance who lived in Murfield at Lascelles Hall, uh, Miss Walker, and he wished to move a bit nearer to his fiance. So it was suggested that he swap the living with uh, Patrick, who was at Hart's Head at the time with two small children, Mariah and Elizabeth. And uh, the house at Thornton was slightly bigger, uh, nearer to the chapel it was would be working from, and the living was a bit more. So it's a bit more money as well. So Patrick swapped the living and he came to Thornton in 1815 with his new arrival, Elizabeth. And one of the first jobs when he got to Thornton was to have her christened in the old bell chapel by his good friend, William Morgan. So they moved to the house in 1815. And over the next four or five years, he completed his family with the arrivals of Charlotte, Bramwell, Emily and Anne. And the six children and their mother Mariah lived happily in that house with their 
nannies, etc. But it became a bit overcrowded. And unfortunately, that's part of the reason why he left Thornton. And his life went rapidly downhill after he left Thornton. And in his later life, he always said, Thornton, my happiest years. Why is it that at this moment you have this committee, that there's a project going on to raise funds? And what's happening right now in November 2023 that has brought up this opportunity to do something with this historic house? We did have a chance in 2012 to buy the property uh, when it went on the open market and we missed out. It went to auction and we didn't buy it. So when the chance came around again, we realised that we had to get this into public ownership to keep it, to preserve it forever. It's a historic building. It's a fabulous, humble building. But to have three authors, well, actually, there was five authors lived in the house because Patrick himself wrote two books, Cottage in the Woods, etc. And his wife wrote poetry and then published. So there were five authors lived in that house. So we needed to preserve this for, for the world, really, not just for the local community, for the world. I think the thing is as well, Duncan, it's the missing piece of the jigsaw. This story has been written about so many times. Thousands of books have been written about a family that only wrote a handful of books. The mystery of the family, the endeavours of the family, the knockbacks of the family, the achievements of these three girls against type, against gender, because they were advised they should never write as women. And as we know, they changed the name to men. So as Charlotte put it, they could tackle subjects positively unfeminine. And they are still the world over considered to be not only the most important literary family in terms of feminist literature, but just in literature in general. This family achieved huge things. And the beginning of their ambitions was born with them in Thornton. It's had a chequered history. It's been everything from blocks of flats, it's been private homes, it's been a cafe. But now, if you walked along the street, it looks sad, forlorn, empty, derelict, with huge for sale signs written all over it. And very soon, once again, it will ring to creativity, to happy voices, and particularly at the heart of this project, to children's voices. And who are you, the members of the committee, the group of people who've come together to rescue this historic property and transform it and make it into a resource for the community and for the public and for the world? Well, myself, I've looked after the Bronte Bell Chapel, as it's now known, the old bell chapel where Patrick was the minister for 23 years. And I met Krista some 20 years ago. And we have a core inspiration, really, with the Brontes. And the connection for me was to join it all up, as Krista says, to fill in the missing blanks and to make it part of the Bronte Trail. And so when the house came up for sale again, Krista asked to come on board again with a small group of people. And Krista has the input for the Bronte history. And I personally, mine's with Patrick, he inspires me. This self-educated man from a poor town in Ireland and allowing his children so much to see of the world, you know, about slavery, child abuse, everything. This man allowed these children to see that at a time when women were more interested in the classics and needlework and learning to play the piano. And these girls knew everything. They inspire. And that was from the father. Everything come from the father. And that's why Patrick is my personal passion. But the group that's come together, we've tried to pick people that have a passion for the Brontes, that have a passion for the community and can see the benefits of education that this will bring. So that's the committee basically either has to be interested in the Brontes or an education or a passion for the village. And that's the sort of committee we've put together. 
Indeed, Duncan, you see, it's not just the Brontes as writers, it's what they achieved in their own time that's still relevant today. As Steve has alluded to, the fact that they wrote about race, because Patrick Bronte was sponsored by William Wilberforce at the time of the anti-slave campaign. They wrote about gender, they wrote about class, poverty, domestic violence. They wrote about subjects which we talk about today as being absolutely relevant. So I don't want you to imagine this little area of Thornton isolated. I want you to imagine it now as a whole in Bradford. Nine out of 10 children in Bradford, according to a recent study, suffer from lack of well-being because of poverty. 49% of them live in areas deemed among the worst in the country. Prejudice, lack of self-esteem, or even more shockingly, lack of fuel and food. So we are going to use this birthplace to say to young people from Bradford and beyond, look, these girls were not wealthy. These girls were told that they shouldn't, and yet they did. You can be the same. So it's using the story of the past, the story that Steve and I are passionate about, to inspire those in the future. And we're still inspiring Four authors in the last five years have written books inspired by the time in Thornton. We've had Nick Holland who wrote about In Search of Anne Bronte. We had Sharon Wright who wrote about the mother of the Brontes. We've had Michael Stewart who's written Walking the Invisible. And then we've got the new Bronte Way just being written by Marge Wilson. So these people are still inspiring people 200 years after they've gone. You know, so th- these were born in Thornton. It should be a shrine to these people, but we want to make it an educational visitor centre. So I think if we can do that and elevate it to that sort of status, then our job's done. If we can get the 100,000 school children in our local area to pass through and see the fireplace in front of which these children were born, and if it inspires 1% of those children, we've done our job, and that will be preserved forever with the Community Benefit Society that we've created. Right, and you've talked about that wonderful fireplace, and you've alluded to some of the heritage, and you, you, I know that you're very involved with this Bronte Bell Chapel yourself, Steve. How does Thornton relate to Howarth? Just for our listeners who don't understand the geography here, how far away is Howarth? And that is a museum. So how does your project, this educational and community project, relate to the existing museum with its focus very much on the antiquity, the story, the heritage? Literally separated by the famous Wuthering Bronte Moors is Howarth and Thornton. And in fact, when the family set off to what they thought, as Steve has said, would be greater things, but actually was greater tragedy because the mother of the children died within 18 months of them leaving Thornton. They walked across the moors and people walk across the moors to this very day. From Thornton to Howarth, as the crow flies, is bleak and wild and wuthering and about seven and a half to eight miles. So we will be connecting the parsonage Mm -hmm. to the Thornton Parsonage. However, it's really important to say that we have received complete support. This is not going to be in competition with Howard's Parsonage, which so many of your listeners will have visited. It's not in competition. It's completely embraced and supported by the Bronte Society because they recognise that it has been tragic that this little house has not been open to all. And therefore, every time we do something, they celebrate it, they push it out on their social media. But we are going to be different. We're not going to be a museum. Ours will be a living, breathing experience. 
And, you know, I can probably tell you a little more about that. But if I give you a little hint that as children come in, they will be asked to find the key that fits the door. So big bunch of keys. Imagine that, Duncan. Mm -hmm. These children come in thinking, oh, it's another school trip. Do we want to go? What do we care? We're going to be a living, breathing experience. How often does that, the parsonage does that so beautifully? So children will be given a huge bunch of keys and whoever finds the key that fits will be told to go and unlock the secrets of the little house and in doing so, unlock their own dreams and aspirations. Actors will come. They will be allowed to stand by the fireplace and read a little bit of poetry. They'll be asked to shout the most famous quotes. I am no bird no, and no net ensnares me, as Charlotte wrote, or take courage, which was Anne's big quote as she lay dying in Scarborough. So many quotes, so many quotes that these children will be able to shout as loudly as they want to. But as they leave, they will also be asked to pick up a magnifying glass, which will be hanging all over the house and to write on our ambition wall, to write of their dreams, their hopes and their passions. Maybe they've never told anybody about them. Maybe they've never felt courageous enough to express them. And we're going to say to them, just write your initials. Then we'll make a record of them. And in years to come, they can go online and look at what they wrote that day. And hopefully, as Steve said, for at least some of them, their dreams will have come true. And I know that you've got quite a number of ideas for what will happen with the birthplace once it opens. And one of those ideas is that people will actually be able to go and stay there and experience the Bronte birthplace for themselves. Steve, could you tell us something about how that will work? Yes, we're going to create three themed rooms, which will be the Charlotte, Emily and Anne rooms. And you'll be able to select which one you want to stay in. They will be done in the style of the Regency period. So we'll have the, the correct theme for the time with the Brontes lived there. And you will be able to stay for a couple of nights, maybe three, four nights, be inspired by this environment these children were born. And to imagine you sleep in the bedrooms where Charlotte, Emily and Patty Bramwell and, and slept. You know, so it's got to be inspirational for any creative writer, artistic person. It's an artistic environment when you've got a poet who was a mother, a father who was a, well, a man of letters, shall we call him, and an author. He wrote regularly to the Leeds Mercury, and he was also a campaigner, a campaign for better environmental issues. And the Babbage Report, when he got to Howarth as well, he was serious about the local environment. So this family were interesting from all different aspects. Of course, Bramwell, the wayward son, he had an artistic bent. He had tried to make a living as a portrait artist. He was a station master, the station at Hebden Bridge in London. What an interesting family. And to stop in the house where all these people were born, it's got to be inspirational for people. So that's part of the reason we're going to theme the bedrooms and people can take a short stay there. And I'm sure many Bronte fans worldwide would want to stop in this place. It'll inspire them, the environment where the Brontes were born. And I gather there's going to be a cafe as well. Krista, could you tell us what sort of cafe you have in mind for this project? Um, okay, well, it has been a cafe and a very successful yes. cafe. They closed down after COVID, after the pandemic. So really the rooms and the cafe will be wonderful, but they're there to sustain our greater ambition. Mm -hmm. and that is, they will give us the continuity to be able to look at the education programme that we are planning. But, you know... I can't imagine it. I've, I've loved them since I was 10 years old. They are my girls. I call the Brontes my girls. Um, I was 
a little rootless when I was nine and ten. I don't think I was rebellious, actually. I loved to read. I read Jane Eyre when I was about eight. I used to read with a torch. My mother used to say, turn the light off. So I'd get my torch and I'd read under the bed covers until one and two in the morning. And I still do. I still do. There's just nobody to tell me off anymore. So when I was 10, I was adopted and brought to Bradford at just 10 days old. And my father was a very wise man. And he was trying to inspire me to believe that no matter where I came from, because I didn't really know where I belonged, I could achieve all my dreams with hard work and dedication. And so he took me to the cobbled streets of Haworth, pointed at the parsonage and said, but that is where three girls lived just like you, girls from Bradford, girls that didn't really know or wouldn't accept the place that society had laid out for them. Krista, you can be whoever you want. They did that. And I didn't know anything about Thornton and the birthplace. I, like you started right at this beginning, I kind of presumed the whole story was Howard. Exactly. And meeting Steve 20 years ago, and you can probably hear the passion in our voices, and actually standing outside this forgotten, hidden part of their story. But as we've said, such an important part of their story, the story of their happiest years before Mariah, the mother, and then Mariah and Elizabeth, the children, died. I thought, wow, I thought I knew every nook and cranny of Bradford. History is my passion, and Bradford is a very historic city. This little secret house needs unlocking for everybody because it blew my mind. Absolutely. And you talk about the unlocking, which is obviously the project that you and the rest of the committee are very much engaged in at the moment. What kind of support are you looking for and do you need? There's a, a website, by the way, for the benefit of our listeners, which is brontebirthplacealloneword.com, and you can go there and find out lots more about it. And of course, people will be listening to this podcast years from now. I'm sure that you'll still want some kind of support in the future as well. So perhaps you could say something about what it is that you would need from people who might be listening to this podcast and are listening to your excitement and your passion and thinking, what could I do to help? Any support financially is more than welcome. The ethos behind this project is to make it self-sustainable. So we will be looking for people to have input into that so they can set up funds, they could buy shares now, but maybe debt further down the line. It'll just be a straightforward donation. Sustainability is our prime concern. The main focus will be education, but we'll be looking at an arts programme for people where local authors or worldwide authors can come, give an evening talk, arts classes, studio classes, base project can come and use our space, event space. And that will be the thing that sustains this project going forward. As a journalist, and if you don't know, that for 25 years I've been a journalist on television. I do in know, I do know, yes. And I still write for the Yorkshire Post and the Observer, the Guardian, and anybody mm. who will have me. But let me just ask you, you saw our project and you have become one of our patrons. What was it about our project, and by the way, we thank you so much, that inspired you when you read about it? I've lived in Leeds for 30 years. My father's from Bradford. I read these books as a child, as a teenager, and as a student of English for my undergraduate degree. They're books that have always lived with me. So for me, what the Brontes represent 
is the possibilities of the life of the imagination. And that is a life that I've been living in parallel with my actual life in this physical world. So to me, a chance to recognize the heritage of my father who was born in Bradford, my grandmother who was born in Bradford and went out to work in a mill when she was 11 and had an incredibly hard life, which is much closer to the kind of life that the Bronte sisters would have had than the kind of life that many people can imagine today. I think for me, this is an opportunity to pay back something of what I got from my Bradford and Yorkshire heritage. You know, listening to everybody's story, all our supporters have got different reasons. Some, like yourself, is is in memory that your fellow patron, Nigel, was also in memory of his, his father. His father inherited, would you believe, Charlotte Bronte's husband's house yes. in Ireland yes. and wanted to recognise that for future right. generations. For me, it was just the joy of being inspired as a young girl who needed inspiring in Bradford in the 1960s. And so in years to come, we want these stories, your story, Steve's story, mm -hmm. my story. We want new stories to be created. And where better to recreate them in that little house? It's not overwhelming. It's not huge. It will be immersive. But above all, it's humble. And therefore, the message that no matter what your background, no matter where you come from, but particularly if you've come from Bradford or Yorkshire, you can do this. Their words, you yourself have travelled all over the world, their words travel the world constantly. Yes hugely read in China, where young girls are now re-emerging and being confident in who they are. It's so popular in China. We, You know, the signs in Haworth are written in Japanese. So big is yes. it in Japan. Absolutely. So I just feel that as soon as I stepped foot inside that, and I did when it was a little cafe, and Steve and I sat there and we looked around, and almost unspoken, we said, we should have had this. It moved me to tears to yeah. think from that little sitting room, that little parlour, came three ambitious women against time, against background, against type. They were Vicar's daughter. Their stories are not the stories Vicar's daughters would normally be expected to write. And so what we are saying is, if you believe, you can achieve with hard work and dedication, because they did. And that is the passion and the joy. It inspired me. It inspired countless others, yourself. Steve was inspired by a man whose family couldn't read or write, Patrick, mm -hmm. who then became one of the greatest scholars of his day in Cambridge, thanks to William Wilberforce, the anti-slave campaigner, and his support and belief. We all need belief at the start of our life in order that we can achieve our full potential and that's the heart of our project i'm lucky i live in between thornton and howarth and i can yes. step out of my door and seven miles from my door is top Withens, so i can walk from yes. my house to top Withens in two hours without touching the main road i live right. between, between so I, I walk across them wuthering heights regularly yes. favorite walks up to top Withens. but you know it's inspirational patrick was a great walker you know, he walked everywhere. I think it's because he was a poor horseman, but he, he he walked everywhere. I know when he went for his interview at Howarth, he walked across and they didn't want him. Uh, it was strong back. They wanted their own. Right. But, uh, right. you know, you think he walked from Thornton to Howarth and what, and meetings all over in Stanbury, et cetera, see the trustees. 
and walk back, so walk 15 miles in a day and think nothing of it. These are, of course, the days of Wordsworth who would walk down to London from the Lake District Correct. just for fun, <laughs> whilst reading a lot of books along the way. Yeah, because one of my greatest stories, the one that I love more than anything, was, of course, the girls were writing in secret. Even their father mm. didn't know that they were writing mm. because they were so worried about rejection if their true identity was revealed. Well, they had the first ever P.O. box, the first ever yeah. post office box. They vented the whole system of a nod at church that morning from the postmaster that a manuscript had probably been sent back, as they were quite often, or gosh, would have been successful, all done in secret. Mm. So much so, Duncan, that they couldn't buy their paper in Howarth, the amount of paper that they were using every night to walk around that table and to write. So they walked across those moors to Halifax, they mm. walked to Keithley, they probably walked to Bradford, just to buy paper so that their secrecy could be preserved. Yes. When Charlotte was getting married... She was determined that she wouldn't look like... she suffered so much. She was wearing black. Emily had died. Anna died. Her mother had died. And she says about her mother, oh, I wish I had known her. So she was accepting of the marriage really at that time with Arthur Bell Nichols of companionship because she was yeah. lonely. She talked about being in that room and listening to the clock and the silence being almost deafening. She then decided that she would buy her material by walking to Halifax. Now, I live in Halifax. I, I live on the edge of those moors, the other side to Steve. So I could walk the other eight miles the other side and find myself in Halifax and, and on the Bronte Moors. But they thought nothing of it. You know, every single day, no matter the weather, they went out onto those moors and particularly Emily sought inspiration. They nearly drowned the Beck burst. Very mm -hmm. famous story of the search parties going out. They nearly drowned, but they enjoyed the drama of those moors. So anybody listening and thinks, what does Wuthering mean? Well, actually, it was a made-up name. But just the sound of it sounds like the wind across those moors. Yes. It, on a dark, bleak winter's day, Emily would still be striding those moors with her dog, Keeper, Every opportunity they had in Howarth itself, life was short. It was open sewers. Life expectancy was 24 to 25. So no wonder they went out the back door and sought the solace and the inspiration of the moors. And we all have that passion. Thornton matches Howarth at those moors. Steve can cross his moors to Howarth. I can cross my moors. I should actually say what a moor is. It's just a vast, uncultivated area that 99% of it is too rough, too barren, even for sheep to graze. It's acres of barren, windy. The tree line is often, you know, there are no trees on it. It's above the tree line. But imagine the inspiration of a winter's night, of the winds howling, the firelit, Patrick going to bed and the girls picking up their pens. No wonder their novels were so full of passion and drama. I think anyone who's been listening to this podcast will understand the incredible drive, enthusiasm, energy, and indeed passion that Krista, Steve, and their colleagues on the Bronte Birthplace Committee have for this project. And we hope that some of those listening will have the opportunity to come to visit the Bronte Birthplace 
in future. You can find more information, as I said, on the, the website, brontebirthplace.com. Thank you so much, Steve and Christopher, for sharing your experiences and insights and ideas about this absolutely extraordinary project with our listeners on the New Books Network. We look forward to inviting them all to stand by that fireplace or to sip a coffee and a cup of tea by that fireplace and just take a moment to imagine. Thank you. I'm Duncan McCargo, Professor of Global Affairs at Nanyang Technological University, and I've been talking to Krista Ackroyd and Steve Stanworth, members of the Bronte Birthplace Project Committee, who are engaged in a very exciting plan to buy and restore the birthplace of the Bronte sisters in Thornton, Bradford. You've been listening to the New Books Network Literature Channel.